Hey, hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 356. That's the one. Welcome back to... Welcome back to another week, another episode. I hope you're all keeping well and safe. I hope you have had a, a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who related. Related. Oh, I, don't know. I, don't know. I know that a lot of you have done something Doctor Who related already. Mm-hmm. I'm saving mine for the weekend. Yeah. <gasps> Got the old uh, season, season, Jesus. Got the mm-hmm. old series 22 box set through the post, dude. Did yours turn up in... Mint can dish, or is it all bashed in? <laughs> no, it's actually mint can dish. Nice. Um, gorgeous artwork again. I mean, old Lee Binding, he does do great artwork, but this one, I, I really love it. Um, yes, got my mate, and I've <laughs> I grumpily said because I normally get told off of sitting and watching too much telly. I said, Right now, listen up. <laughs> this is to my other half. Listen up. This new set's arrived. I've been waiting ages for this. And, I, and I'm going to sit and watch it. I laid down the law. I'm going to sit and watch it. And I don't want to be moaned at. And um, yeah, I've managed to watch quite a few bits, actually. I've watched the, watched the interview with Colin, which was um, with Matthew Sweet. Have you watched that yet? How, how much have you got to watch so far? All of it, dude. Yeah, it's on the... Uh, all of it? Yeah, yeah, I've not watched any of it yet, mate. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant you'd watched all of it. I thought, oh, sorry. No, no, it's on the list for the weekend. Have you watched it much? Oh, no. Yeah, so I watched a bit. So I watched the um, Colin interview, Matthew Sweet. And um, it's really, really interesting interview with Colin, actually. I thought I knew Colin quite well um, about his life, but there's stuff in there which I, I didn't know. Um, it was, yeah, it's a really frank and interesting discussion. And... Um, yeah, there's a bit at the end where he talks about his son that passed away and stuff. And it, it's really emotional, is it? But Matthew Sweet handles it so well. Such oh. a great interview. Mm. Um, I watched last night before I went to bed. Oh, I, you know, I just didn't want to switch switch it off. I was I could just literally sit and watch this set 24 hours a day with all these new extras. I was watching the location, location, where Colin and Nicola go back to the locations used through season 22. Oh, it's brilliant. Mm. Uh, watched a couple of behind the sofas. Um, what else did I watch? Uh, I've, I don't know. I've watched a few of them anyway. I'm trying not to. I am trying to save a few bits. I'm trying to not binge it too much because mm-hmm. I just want to savour it. Because this is not like my favourite season by a long uh, chalk. I mean, I, I like Colin's Doctor a lot, but uh, as a kid, I wasn't particularly fond of this season. It's grown on me as an adult. I think I appreciate it more now. But um, yeah, but I'm trying not to sort of devour the set too quickly. But I'm finding it difficult. Every time I finish an extra, I'm just itching to get onto another one and there's quite a lot of new stuff on this one so yeah mm. i'm loving it mate so you're saving it all for the the weekend are you, you got it all ready to yes to yeah go? i've not even unwrapped did, it yet it's just on the shelf just did it arrive in perfect condition it did actually mate i was surprised no, good. because mm. yeah normally um it was really weird i had this uh one of those uh what's the word serendipitous moments um on twitter where I'd literally just taken delivery of it from the Amazon dude mm-hmm. and uh, ran upstairs, put it on the shelf. 
it was just rocking slowly saying watch me open me watch me <laughs> i was like nope you can wait because i'm busy at the moment and then went back to work uh, and i saw literally jumped on twitter and there was a guy that uh that had said i've just taken delivery of um an Amazon package and it didn't come in the big box with the useless packaging and where everything rolling around it was a big nice big padded envelope and that's exactly how I got it it's like the first oh, time in that an envelope in a big envelope yeah but dude mm. it was padded properly and oh, okay. it was kind of wrapped and it was you know the right size and I thought hmm I've never had because I normally get a, a box from Amazon which is like six times mm. the size of what's actually in it yeah and they <laughs> put a little bit of wrapping paper in there and it just rattles around and moons around and Does stuff nothing. yeah exactly. exactly yeah so this was cool it came mm. and it was perfect so thumbs up amazon just please do that in the future yeah that was good yeah because these sets yeah. are lovely but they are slightly fragile aren't they because of what the, the i don't know is it a thick card i mean what are they made of i don't know but they, they are easily dented in the post let's put it that way so if they're not sent with any sort of protection or in a good sturdy box yep, yep. yeah they're pretty dented and the thing is um I don't know what they're like in terms of finding them in the shop at the moment, because I think since they've started doing the standard editions, the limited ones haven't sold out as quickly. I think people now think, oh, it's all right, I'll get the standard one. And some people prefer the standard because they're thinner and they're in a proper plastic case. And, mm. you know, so, but I think now, I think you can probably walk into a shop and, and get these sets fairly easily. But there was a time, wasn't there, where if you didn't order it within a a day or two of it being going up, you would like miss out or a week of it going up, you'd miss out and you'd be like, Oh no, there's no chance of finding it in a shop anywhere. But I think nowadays you, you might, but then again, if you do find it in a shop, it might have one of those horrible security tags around it, which dents into the, they're probably worse. You know, they sort of bite into the packaging and leave permanent dents in the pack. I hate those security tags. They, yeah. And what's really annoying is um, not so much on, uh, on things like DVDs and Blu-ray box sets and stuff. But have you ever bought anything in an item of clothing? Oh, and you've got yeah. home and the tag is on there. <laughs> yeah. That's really annoying because I had to take a hacksaw to one of them the last time I did that. <laughs> yeah, they, they're so actually annoying. even more annoying because they're, they're almost impossible to get off those ones. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, like a little mini hacksaw and saw it off. <laughs> Could have gone back to the shop, of course, with the receipt and just said, this is still on, can you take it off? But there's no fun in that. No, hacks are every time. Yeah. <laughs> so let's keep this going, dude, because me personally, I've done very little Doctor Who-wise. Oh, okay. um, so we've got our Season 22 box sets. That's all good. Mm -hmm. But you were out and about, weren't you, at the weekend doing some Who stuff with our some other Big Blue Box team members? Yeah, so we had the, the Dalek um, Cushion movie double bill premiere. This is like the premiere of the new 4K restoration, like a back-to-back -back double bill of both films at the BFI, the British Film Institute. And uh, yeah, I was there. Maria, our roving reporter, was there. Jordan, our, uh, who does a lot of articles on the, our website, was there. Jordan Shawman. And um, yeah, it was, it, it, as you'd imagine, another great event. Um, immediately, the day got to a great start because they'd got one of the um, movie Daleks in the BFI as you walked up. So you walked up the steps into the entrance and then straight away you were confronted by this gorgeous red... Dalek um, with the big old, you know, the claw that the movie Daleks have and oh, stuff. Cool. So that was cool. So everyone was getting photos of that. And uh, yeah, and then we went into the screening. Uh, they had a Q&A with uh, Jill Curzon and Roberta Tovey and oh, a couple of other people whose names escaped me. But I think it was the two sons of the, the, the script 
uh, writer, I think. Oh, I'm not sure. But there's a couple of people there. So it's a nice Q&A uh, with those guys. And they, they talked a little bit about the third movie, uh, The Two Sons, which was what I've always been interested in because there was never a third movie made. And I'm never mm. quite sure how far into production that got. And they only shed a little bit of light on it because they don't really particularly know. They just said, you know, we've got this this breakdown that my dad had submitted uh, for the third uh, third film and there was going to be two doctors in it and stuff and so that was quite interesting so yeah nice little Q&A but the films themselves mate I, I've been really looking forward to this because I love the Peter Cushing movies I think that they've got a charm to it and um, and I think they've always looked good anyway because they're 60s they've got that real vibrant colour and the you know the picture quality has always looked good to me anyway so I was particularly excited to see this new 4K restoration because it's the first time they've been able to use the original film prints themselves to do it. So I thought, wow, these films are going to look amazing. Um, I've got to be honest, I don't know if I was expecting too much, but they didn't look Mm -hmm. that different to me, if I'm honest. I have to be completely honest. I mean, they still look great, but then I think they did to begin with. But I, I was sort of expecting pin sharpness i think uh, uh, if right. you know what i mean yeah. so a lot of the they looked they looked very sharp but as i said no they looked sharp before so it was shots like the model shot of the ufo landing and stuff still looked very grainy and i was thinking oh i was sort of expecting that to look you know like it was made yesterday and it, it didn't and i i guess that's just ha- that must be how the original film was i guess it's a model shot it was probably shot on a a lower res camera because it, it, it noticeably is more pixelated when it cuts to those model shots to when it cuts back to the action mm-hmm. and stuff so it's probably that's just how the film source is but yeah so i was i don't know i was expecting it to be just absolutely flawless and, it, and it's and it's not it's it's still really really good and it's i guess it's of its time it's a film made in the 60s so it has its little imperfections but that being said it, it still looked amazing and the soundtrack has been beautifully remastered. I mean, it, it just in the cinema, hearing that music and all the sound effects and stuff, Mark Ayres is just, he's so good at this stuff. He's so meticulous that it really sounded phenomenal uh, through, the, through the BFI speakers. So yeah, it still looks great. Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with the picture quality. I think I was just expecting it to look like, I don't know, something amazing because it's the first time there from the original prints, if you know what I mean. But it still looks very good and just so great to see him on the big screen as well. There's, they're such fun films. They are, aren't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're uh, yeah, very unique within in, yeah. in terms of thinking about Doctor Who and all the spin-offs and all the you know related media and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're very considering that they use a very popular, arguably the most popular uh, monster slash alien in the world of Doctor Who. It still has a very unique feel to it. It's not like it's trying to copy, you know, copy the formula too much from from the TV show. So. No, it's cool, dude. Yeah, and maybe we, maybe you were spoiled a little bit when we went to see Wurz or when you saw the breakdown of the restoration and you thought... Yeah, it yeah. would have been really interesting to have seen a before and after, actually, like they did at Wurzel. that would have Because then I probably would have sat back and thought... Because that's the thing, when we watched Wurzel, it looked great, but it, when they did that breakdown, there was so much more improvement than even we had realised, wasn't they? When they did the sound thing, we thought, oh, the sound sounds good. and then they, that, But that was only the second version of the sound and then they played you the next version that they'd done and we were like, wow, and... When they break it down to show you what they do on these restorations, I think it really brings home the difference uh, a lot of the time, like they did at Wurzel. So maybe that would be cool. Maybe there's a feature on the on the on the 4Ks. I'll have to have a look to, mm. to show in the restoration. Yeah. And the, the problem I have with these movies is that I 
I love them both. But if I'm if no one if I ever meet somebody who hasn't seen them, and I'm recommending them, the, the trouble I have is that the second film is so much better. <laughs> the second film, there's no doubt about it. Second film is absolutely brilliant. But I always feel it's nice, obviously, if you watch the first one first because it kind of sets up the story a little bit. And but it is a bit of a slog. There's a lot of like climbing rocks and stuff at the end of the second film, and it does drag a bit. And I think, you know, if ever I recommend them to someone, I'm never sure whether to say watch the second one first if you like it go back and watch the first one or whether to say no no they're both good and watch them but mm-hmm. yeah the second one's definitely got the the edge over it. it's a great film isn't it yeah it's 2150 AD brilliant mm-hmm. and I really yeah. love the promotional material that they worked up for this blu-ray release and everything and the, the poster it's like got that old school comic book retro comic book feel to it it's very very cool yes yes well that, that set arrived yesterday because that came out the same day as uh, season 22 and um it, there's a lot more in it than I realised. It's actually a really nice big chunky box. The cover's sort of this almost metallic look to it. It's got posters. It's got two really thick booklets in it uh, with lots of nice colour pictures. It's got a coin. It's got this great big coin with a Dalek one side and a Thal on the other. And it's got loads of this. It's a lovely set to get if you, if anyone's thinking of buying one. And um, obviously this is the first film and then the second film is being released on 4K next month. So... Yeah, but uh, yeah, they're really, really, really nice sets. And they did do a signing afterwards, by the way. Jill Curzon and um, Roberta Tovey did a signing upstairs, which was cool. Um, I've met Roberta before, luckily, because I literally had, I had in my wallet exactly £15. That's all I had. And trying to find a cash machine anywhere near (laughs) the BFI is impossible, trust me. Um, So I had £15 in my wallet, and they were charging £15 an autograph, and I was like, ah, but luckily, I'd met Roberta before, otherwise I would have been in turmoil. So I didn't need to get hers again. So I just got Jill Curzon's because I've never met her. So that was lucky. <laughs> I was just like, well, and I nearly yeah. bought a Target book um, before I went into the BFI, which if I had have bought it, I wouldn't have been able to afford Nortgrass. So I was sort of glad that I didn't get it. And it was only because someone swiped it. So I picked up this Target book of Aztecs. And I thought, oh, that's a nice cover. Have I got this one? I don't think I have. Let me check my list on my phone. And I stood by the box that it was in, checking the list. And in the 30 seconds of me checking my target list book, uh, target list on my phone, someone swiped it. I turned back to get it. I was like, oh, I haven't got it. Turned back to get it and someone had swiped it. I was like, what? So, But luckily that's good because if I had bought it, I wouldn't be able to get an autograph. So it all worked out well in the end. That's cool. Yeah, never turn your back on a target book, mate. God, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, no, I've got that one. The Aztecs. Aztecs. I Hmm. thought I'd got it, but I haven't. The first Doctor story. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 You got the target book, have you? Yeah. Looking at it right now on the old shelf. Yeah, you're not it wasn't it. you, was it? You're not That's why it. <laughs> you, were, you weren't lingering around the South Bank market where you were at like <laughs> 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to foil his plan because I know he's after it. So I'm going to nab it. Uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, just, I was shocked, yeah. Anyway, there you go. So it was a really good day. Maria, our roving reporter, will do a, a full write-up of the day, I'm sure. So we look forward to her article on it. She'll, she she'll give us the lowdown, the full lowdown. She will indeed, yeah. And it was her birthday yeah. as well, wasn't it, yesterday? So happy birthday, Maria. Yes. Still looking young and awesome, as always. So happy cake day. Absolutely. Yeah, she's very cool, Maria, the old uh, the old on, on the on the spot location reporting. And the, the weird thing was, I was actually sat next to um, Maria and Jordan for the first film. Uh, we're just totally by coincidence, like, went to sit in my seat and there they were. So we were all sat together for the first film, which was... Really nice. I don't know where they were for the second film, but uh, yeah. Cool. 
Oh, yeah, Jordan was there, wasn't he? Other writer, yeah, Jordan. Yes, Jordan was there as well, yeah. Yeah, the big blue box representing over there, very nice. People did ask where you were. I had a couple of people ask where you were. Yeah, where's that miserable old git? Where's he? <laughs> I said he only comes out for words all these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I do miss the. Uh, I've been to a, a couple now. I think I've missed a couple, a few stuff at the BFI. So I'll have to pull my socks up and get down there. Well, I've we no don't know what the next one will be, do we? It could mm. abominable snowman animation if they ever finish it. Yeah, maybe. I don't think they will. I don't do, know. No. Hmm. Maybe it's. Uh, maybe. Hmm. I'm thinking we we definitely need a, a first or second Doctor set to land very soon. Yeah. yeah. A lot mm. of people were saying that at the BFI. They were like, right, what's the next set? We've got season 22 out tomorrow. What's the next set? Yeah. It's like, mm. oi, you, person <laughs> that works there, that does things. When's these uh, Hartnell or um, Trout and uh, box sets landing? Because, you know, we love the current ones, of course. But uh, but in all seriousness, we do feel their pain. It must be a real slog to get those ones uh, <laughs> sorted out. Not even not even taking into account any of the special features that they might have planned for it. But just to get all of those episodes all corralled together and sorted properly. And what do they do with the missing ones and how do they handle that stuff? So it's a big old job, those first, uh, those first two Doctor runs. But... Fingers crossed that they'll land soon. Yeah, I'm wondering what they're going to do now the animations have been halted. like Because we assumed they were doing those to f- complete the set so they could release them, weren't we? But I don't know. Uh, unless they will restart up again, it might just be the transition from, you know, uh, to, over to RTD. Maybe that, that's had some impact on it. I don't know. But yeah, be interested to see what they do with the uh, early box sets with the missing stories. Mm. Indeedy. So... Uh, like I said, I've done nothing Doctor Who-y, but again, I've had a quiet week on the old Who, but um, yeah, there's no news as well. That's the other thing. There's no really quiet. We've seen a couple of filming pics we mentioned before we started recording, if we'd seen that very cool picture of David Tennant that did the rounds mm. on, you know, he's looking, he's looking so good, isn't he? Like you said. Yeah. 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 He did. There's a couple of really, they've been filming down in Bristol, haven't they? And there's been a lot of pictures of him floating about doing his doctory thing and uh yeah <laughs> he definitely is uh looking the part you know it's, it is good to see him back as the doctor i have to say yeah yeah, yeah. uh apologies listener if i'm a bit sniffly i realize i'm sniffing at the, in the background here sorry got the old uh the man flu creeping up i think yeah, yeah he's got the sniffles don't give him sympathy though listeners no sympathy because <laughs> he doesn't give any back <laughs> If it, no, you no. get a cold, he's, he's always said this. He does not. There's no sympathy for anyone with colds, is there? From you, not at all. Never. Not unless you're literally crawling on the floor like Colin at the end of Varos. <laughs> there's no sympathy from this man. No, I'm terrible for it. Very sorry. So I don't expect <laughs> any back. So that's all good. Okay, before we crack on with our review this week, uh, thank you very much again for coming back and listening to us waffle on about Doctor Who this week. And if, if this. If this is your first time listening to The Big Blue Box, then welcome aboard. It's great to have you. If you're coming back, if you're one of our long-time listeners, one of the old grizzled ancients, then welcome back Mm. as well. Regardless, make sure that you follow or subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast app of choice. That way you won't miss an episode when it lands every Friday. 
Um, you can go to Big Blue Box Podcast at UK forward slash listen, and that will display a page of all the links to all the, the apps and, and whatnot. You can jump on uh, to your preferred uh, app of choice, or you can listen in the website itself. Just uh, listen to all of them for free on the website. And we are on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. There are links on the website. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week, so come and get involved there. And we have a free Discord server as well. Again, the link is on the website. Jump in there and chat Doctor Who with lots of other Who fans. And don't forget to remember to check out Adam's channel. Check out his YouTube channel. It's called The Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag, yes. I'm working on some new vids and there's a gallon of videos on there already for you to dive into. So go and check out my my youtube channel well i'm on all the socials of course uh facebook twitter and instagram a gaggle of videos <laughs> a gaggle of videos yeah. indeed yes yeah. so go into all those things subscribe for all the future stuff that's gonna be dropping your way so uh review time dude what have we got this week yeah so talking of the 10th doctor we're diving into one of his specials this week and it is the waters of mars certain moments in time are fixed. This base on Mars, what happens here must always happen. This is what? It's an unknown infection and it's spreading. Close down all water supplies. Any one of us could already be infected. We've all been drinking the same water. And if you take that back to Earth, one drop. Just one drop. Water is patient. Water just waits. Where's down the cliff tops, the mountains, the whole of the world. Water always wins. Why won't you help, Doctor? If you know all of this, why can't you change it? Because you die on Mars. You die today. The beginning of the end. Doctor Who, Sunday the 15th of November on BBC One. Ah, proper little BBC advert there. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. So the waters that was a good trailer. Mm. Makes me want to go to the to the toilet though. But yeah. <laughs> that aside, yeah. it's a very good trailer. <laughs> so the waters of Mars. Makes it, me want to fix a tap. <laughs> <laughs> Leaky tap. The waters of Mars, the waters of Mars was first broadcast back on the fifteenth of November two thousand and nine. It was the penultimate special in the series of specials more commonly known as just Series 4 Specials, I guess, before David Tennant decided to bugger off. And it was written by Russell T. Davis and Phil Ford, directed by Graham Harper, overseen by Gary Russell, and stars David Tennant in his few of these solo specials, no companion on these ones, and a reasonably sized supporting cast. And the synopsis is uber short for this one. It's just Mars 2059, Bowie Base 1, last recorded message, don't drink the water, don't even touch it, not one drop. Mm. Yeah. So we've been speaking about this one for donkey's years, buddy. We've spoken about this yeah. off the podcast. We've spoken about it on many episodes and referenced it and, and all that stuff. But we're finally here. So hit us all. What are you thinking on this one? Yeah, it's, it's quite a highly regarded episode, I think, within fandom it, it does get quite a good uh i think a lot of fans like it um it's it's certainly one i mean i've said before on the podcast i think that i i think this is a great episode um but we both mentioned last week that we hadn't seen it for a while so i was wondering 
how well it would stand up. I thought, yeah, I know I like it. I know it's a good one. But will it, when I watch it, and I watched it again yesterday, I thought, will it be as good as I remember? Will it? Will the production values look good? Will the CGI look dated? You know, is it really as good as I think it is in my head? And I'm very pleased to say that, yes, it is. And actually, surprisingly, the production values looked incredible, I thought. Um, I was actually quite surprised how good they do look. I mean, there's a scene where David's crawling on the floor, with this fire around him towards the end when the base is exploding and he stands up and there's all these flames in front of him. And man, the visuals are fantastic. It really looks good. And Graham Harper's direction is fantastic. Uh, as a story, it, it's a quite a simple sort of base under siege, you know, thing story with, about, about the water and who thought water could be so scary. It's a really, really hammers home. Actually, we just, I've got a big glass of water here and it's, you know, it's terrifying me. It's, but it is, it's, it's really a cool thing that they've taken something so simple as water. And then they've reminded us that, you know, water gets in everywhere, you know, water corrodes things, water, you know, it's suddenly all these things you think, yeah, gosh, yeah, water, uh, a deadly enemy. Who would have thought? Um, but it's, it's a great story. And of course, so you've got a fairly simple base undersea story, but what, what really brings this up to being a fantastic story is all the stuff going around it. This, you know, this character of, of Adelaide that's a, a fixed point in time, you know, and we've heard about that before, but the, the doctor sort of says, you know, he has a bit of leeway, but with this particular Adelaide Brooke, she must not, you know, he cannot change her course because it will have huge consequences. And the doctor realizes this and just from the outset that he gets stuck on the base and you think he knows that he's got to get out of there because he knows he's there the day that it, it all ends. But he can't because, he's first of all, he's trapped by them. And you're like, no, no, Doctor, get out there. But he can't because they don't know who he is, so they've sort of more or less, you know, uh, quarantined him. And then you've got the sort of second half of the episode where he can escape, <laughs> but he, him being the Doctor, can't bring himself. He just can't. He knows he's got to let them die, but he can't bring himself. And, I mean, of course, the scene when the doctor snaps at the end where he finally cracks. He walks away, can hear them all dying. And he's like the way they bring in the whole last of the time Lords thing is just genius. It's going around in his head and he thinks he suddenly thinks, yeah, I am the last of time Lord. I'll do what I want. And he just completely snaps it. And tenant just is on fire, literally actually on fire. You know, all these sort of extra elements to what's a fairly sort of basic base under siege story, just bring this up to being an absolute belter, I think. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it yesterday. I think it's, uh, yeah, there are slight criticisms I can throw at it, but overall I think it's a, a near-perfect piece of Doctor Who. I think it's a, just a really, really good episode. And I, Yeah. Really enjoyed watching it yesterday. So, over to you, mate. What do you reckon? Uh, same as you, bud. Yeah, I think in terms of the thing that we've spoken about many times uh, throughout the years, that kind of all the ingredients that are right, you know, for a good story of Doctor Who, this has all of that stuff for the most part. And yeah, it's just a modern. It 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 feels almost like classic Doctor Who in a way, mm. because it doesn't rely heavily on. Um over the sort of cgi stuff you know it doesn't rely too heavily on the the only thing we get with that really is the external shots of the base and stuff like that sort yeah. of establishing shots but other than that you know there's no weird green or blue screen stuff going on there's no 
big effects and stuff. It's all practical effects, you know, every time that they're running down a certain corridor, that's an actual corridor that they've that the location team has scouted out and looks very cool and the quirky robot, you know, that's gadget, a gadget. Gadget, you know, that's a real thing. The Star yep. Wars reference with that is very cool. If anyone picks up on that, but in the prequel trilogy, all of the all of the battle droids are like Roger Roger. So it's like a, in almost exactly the same voice. So uh, all of that stuff was very cool, and um, and for that reason, it feels quite classic. Who it's just um, like you said, it's the classic base under siege. It's just those guys trying to make it through essentially and survive until the end. And it's got a bit of a different ending as well. It's not your typical. Yeah, the Doctor saved everybody. Happy days, happily ever after. He's on to the next adventure. It does come with a bit of a consequence at the end. It's a bit of a that last five minutes of the story is gut-wrenchingly emotional um mm. and uh yeah so yeah i love it mate I, I think it's a really good in terms of all of the modern era who and especially david Tennant's era it just has a real uh a, a real kind of tenseness to it and a good horror aspect to it because the effects that they used for the people that were taken over by by the um by the water people <laughs> They've got a name, surely. It's the flood, I think. Is, is it? it the flood? Or am I getting confused with Capaldi? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Who is it? It's they've got a name, right? They've I think they're referred to as the flood because I I watched Doctor Who Confidential afterwards, which was just great as well. If you get a chance to watch that, You're probably. Right, I think mate. David Tennant yeah. calls them the flood. Yeah. In that, but I don't know if they. I don't think they're named in the episode though. Actually. Um. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the flood, like when somebody gets taken over, the the effects that they used, again, all practical and looked really good. And the, the eye lenses and stuff, it looks real sort of horror film, yeah, you know, scary stuff. And Murray Gold's music is very suspenseful, oh. really, really good. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, so it all adds, you know, it all builds and builds. And then we've got that emotional ending. And it also plays on a slightly different turn. It almost mirrors McCoy's doctor at the end of his run you know at the very end of mccoy's era where you can just see those little snippets of a darker doctor about to come through mm-hmm. you yeah. know it, it's that kind of thing with with the with david Tennant's doctor with that whole time lord victorious thing where he just takes a different stance on saving people and a, adjusting time and history and stuff and it's got that darker feel like that he plays that bit amazing we'll come on to that last scene but mm. when they, they land back on earth and he's he's talking to adelaide and uh yeah it's it's amazing dude so a big big thumbs up for me on this one buddy um yes what did you think to uh just the general story then because we don't see any big aliens there are no monsters there are no pew pew laser fires showdowns of anything mm. like that it's all just a, a sort of suspenseful build-up to will they be captured or won't they? That was kind of cool. Yeah, I think what makes it, it's one of the, in terms of sort of the scare factor and the creepiness, even now it stands up, I think, really well as being a really creepy, scary episode of Doctor Who. Probably still is one of the creepy, scary. And yeah, it's so simple. Like when they get taken over, that, because they're slightly out of focus, they're all sort of in the background and they do this sort of shudder thing don't they sort of shudder and move strangely you can tell they're just mm. sort of being possessed and then they turn around and they've added this sort of thing to their mouth which looks like almost looks like the skin's all cracked and all this water's coming out it's a very and the eyes are different obviously it, it's quite a sort of simple but really terrifying 
combination, all of that, that they've sort of been taken over and, and turned into these horrible sort of disfigured human beings with this water pouring out of them. It's a really odd concept, but it's, it's really creepy and scary. And um, as I said, I thought it, it still worked really, really well. Like um, the very first scene, even when the guy's got his hand on that guy's head and they're just sort of shaking and you're sort of thinking, what is going on? You know, there's all this water pouring out. Yeah, it's it's all it's proper horror, you know, horror story stuff, really. And again, watching the confidential, they they're sat around the table discussing stuff, and they're looking at pictures um, of what the monsters might be. So they've sort of done some test shots with real people, and and done two or three versions of the, you know the monster. And, and Russell's like really likes one of them, and Judy Gardner's like, no, 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 Russell, that is. That's going too far. That's too scary. And he's like, but this one's good. She's like, no, no, no. We're, we're going to use this one because if we do this, this is like 18 certificate stuff. We're not, you know, that's pushing the boundaries. And it's, again, it's fascinating watching the confidentials to see this behind the scenes stuff, to see how much deliberation goes into where the line is with Doctor Who to, to you know, in terms of making it, how scary do we make it sort of thing. Um, I think they got it just right. I mean, I think... I was quite, even though I'm a fully grown adult, I still found it, re- it really creeps me out when they're changing into the, the monster. And I think if I was a kid, I'd be, I'd be probably quite scared of it. Like a young kid, I'd be terrified by this episode at certain points. Um, but I think the good thing is, and this is what Doctor Who normally does really well, is that because you've got the Doctor at the heart of it, you kind of, even if you're a kid terrified, I think you know the Doctor's there and he will save it. But again, with this story, you've got the flip side that the Doctor kind of knows he's got to walk away so you, you've got that thrown into it again which just adds another brilliant element to the story like you've got mm. these things kicking off the doctor will save the day oh wait a minute he can't he's got to get out of there so that again just adds yeah some really good scary elements to the story i think mm-hmm. yeah agree. is it an edge an yeah. edge yeah definitely mm. so the sto- story wise like you said it's very simple it's just yeah. kind of you know based on the siege nothing too groundbreaking in that respect i think it more comes down to the relationship that the doctor forms with these people quite quickly mm. and uh i think for me that that pushes the story on more than the actual what's happening with the with the flood that are advancing slowly and stuff and because that we'll come on to uh, david Tennant specifically in a minute but the way that he clocks on you know as he's he meets them all as a group for the first time and he starts to dive back into his memory and uh, and look at all these old articles and stuff like that you know we go through each crew member he's like oh you're so and so you do this mm. and you're so and so and he's all excited because this is the first manned mission to mars it's great step forward and everything for the human race and he's beaming you know it's like, oh in his mind he's you can tell that he's thinking sort of lines that he's come up before in episodes he's like oh you humans you know it's mm. all that stuff and then the penny drops doesn't it it's that his his demeanor just changes instantly and his look on his face and because he realizes that they all die and it's and coincidentally the day that he's landed there that's Mm. the day that they all get wiped out so there's this conflict that kind of goes back and forth but in his own his own mind for the next i would say probably the bulk of the episode where he's thinking because there's a couple of times he's like oh i really should go you know i really should go but he doesn't want to tell them why 
because if he tells them they'll just freak out and you know they'll do something silly so he's got that conflict where he's like oh i need to go and you think he's going to go as well there's a bit where he's back in his suit he's walking back to the tardis and it's that is that really does pull on the heartstrings that bit you know murray's gold his emotional theme kicks in and um yeah and he can hear them all dying he can hear them happening and he's just trying so hard he's like no i must i can't alter this is like a fixed point in history and so on Mm. and uh yeah it's just amazing so in terms of story then fairly simple but the character progression and that relationship especially between him and adelaide is very cool Mm. um anything before we get on to characters is there anything um cool that you picked out in terms of like direction or you know production that kind of thing because i thought it was it looked really good like the whole um uh biodome thing where they're growing all the plants and everything that looked very cool mm. you get the classic legging down the corridors and stuff like that but i also found that quirky sort of robot thing quite quite cool in a weird way i'd like to have seen that be saved like to have seen the doctor <laughs> drag that into the tardis and we'll see that again at some point but um production wise dude can't really complain other than a couple of ropey cgi shots from from externally but i thought it looked very cool no, I, I thought it looked great. Um, it's funny because I'm pretty sure when I first watched this, that Gadget Gadget, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he got on my nerves the first time I watched this. I remember thinking, oh, that's a shame. He's a bit annoying. And yet um, I really liked him again when I watched this yesterday. Like you, I was like quite attached to Gadget Gadget. And I, I thought he said it a lot more than he did. I think, you know, when I first watched this, I remember sort of that being a joke that ran thin really quickly. But they don't actually, he doesn't actually say Gadget Gadget that much I, I don't know i must have imagined it because mm. I, I thought he was like quite an annoying droid the first time i watched this but no i love gadget gadget and um yeah i think he brings a fun element to it i love absolutely love the bit when they jump on him and they do the back to the future scorch marks uh when they do their escape you know the fire trails um from gadget gadget i thought that was brilliant totally forgot about that uh, just a really nice little <laughs> sort of in joke to Back to the Future, which I thought was great. But no, I thought production-wise, I thought it looked good. I, I thought the CGI was was really good, actually, for the time. Um, that's shot when David steps out, well, the Doctor, sorry, steps out of the TARDIS onto the moon surface and there's like a sun flare in it. And yeah, you can tell it's CGI, obviously. They haven't gone to Mars to film this, but I thought it had, a, you know, it looked good. I thought, you know, and the base design was kept nice and simple, but looked good and... And, uh, yeah, the locations as well, the garden. I don't know where they filmed it, but um, that sort of reminded me of... Do you remember that old film Silent Running where they had that... They'd sort of built a utopia garden on Mm. the spaceship. So it sort of reminded me a little bit of that. And so I thought production-wise it it was great. And um, I know we normally talk about Murray's music at the end, but, I mean, it really does add so much to this story, I think. So in terms of production, the music is phenomenal. I mean, the scenes at the end when that you just talked about where David's walking away, trying to resist saving everyone. <laughs> it to, to, mm. Even to still, like you, I was sat in front of the telly and I was being really moved, you know, really felt emotional watching that end scene. And I thought, wow, this is, um, how old is this now? When did this go out? Oh, so this was 2000 and, mm, 2009. 2009 so yeah we're talking all those years have passed and this piece of television is still almost reducing a grown man to tears it was i really found it emotional watching that end bit because because of the performances but also because of murray's beautiful music is the track called veil is it is that what that track's called when he's yes there's two versions of it 
Ah. Um, there's Vale, and then there's Vale Dachum. So Vale is the more, is the one that sort of builds up a bit more, the one that we mm. see when he's walking away. Yeah, yeah. Outstanding. And mm. I mean, coupled with, uh, I think, well, I think we're going to go on to talk about performances. So I'll, I'll, I'll hold fire there. Cause I, yeah, there is a particular, I think the performances in general are really good in this, but there's a particular moment, I think, uh, around this part, which I just think is phenomenal. So, but I'll come to that. We'll, you know, when we get onto the characters, but yeah, mm. overall production wise still looks great and good, good direction from Graham Harper as well. Great direction. Very cool. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, yeah, it's um, the other thing as well I want to pick up on is that they could have quite easily gone a different direction with this episode. They could have very easily made this an Ice Warrior episode, right? Because... Yeah, they do get a mention, don't they? They do. And yeah. it could have... Arguably, that would have been a bit fan servicey. It's like, you know, Human Colony has landed on Mars. Who are the famous, you know, Martians, you know, that they could tangle with and all that lot. But they didn't. They steered clear of all that and they made it a very isolated unique story so now we don't have this episode now doesn't fall into that dangerous territory of it's been um you know the ice warriors have been mentioned all the way through and you know not that there's anything too wrong with that it potentially would have been a great ice warrior story but um i'm glad that they steered cleared of that you know it's a bit like the doctor landing on scarrow you know you would 99.9% expect that to be a Dalek story. It's that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So it was very cool that they, they kept the distance from that and they just had something new and unique, which is very cool. So, mm. yeah. Um, all right, characters then. So the, the characters are very... I thought this was cast really well, mm. really well, because sometimes when we talk about um, a reasonably large ensemble for the, for the supporting cast, it can be a bit hit and miss. Even in modern Doctor Who, sometimes you get people that you just think are not 100% into it and it's not really, you know, you, for some actors you feel like they just don't get it. It's like, this is a paid job for me. You know, I want to do it and go home. Whereas, I don't, I don't know, it just felt like it was cast really well. It was very funny in places, but quite emotional in other places. And it was when the action kicked in, you know, they all did that really well. Um, so, yeah, in terms of characters, dude, um, the two few people at the beginning then that get taken over by the flood we have um uh the guy that's the the gardener <laughs> essentially <laughs> yeah. um he's out there with what's her face who's was in eastenders for many years um what was her name eastenders i don't know i don't i refuse to watch eastenders so i wouldn't know yeah i'm sure she was in eastenders anyway um probably yeah, so that was a good introduction to them and the flood really because we get introduced to the flood fairly early don't we we don't have to wait too long but uh, yeah. those guys they were fairly cool and then they kind of go through the motions um throughout the episode but um yeah i think what's uh what's her name uh, i can't remember but uh yeah, so the two gardeners, the the medic guy and her, they get taken over. Um, it's all good. What do you think to those guys? Yeah, they're good because they've got a certain look about them that um, when they do do the transformation, they kind of look really creepy and scary anyway, but still look human. They, 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 so they do a good job. I mean, they they do the acting well as uh, they act it well as well because 
you know, when you do the whole possession thing and it is easy to go over the top and, oh, I'm a monster, roar, you know. They don't. They sort of manage to give a nice scale performance where they hold it back, but they're really, really creepy. So by doing less, they're actually doing more. And and all three of those guys managed to do that. I mean, um, the girl whose name we can't remember, I think you mean the one that she, she's the one that's admiring. She's They put her into quarantine, don't they? And she's looking at the earth on the screen and saying, we yeah. should like Earth. You're talking about her, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, she's very good. She's just got a really, she does the scary thing really well without going over the top. Um, and I think she says on the confidential, they had to use cold water. So when she's like, got all that water coming out of her mouth and holding her hand against the screen, it's like freezing cold water because they couldn't use hot for some reason. Um, she said, God, you know, I was drenched by the end of doing take after take and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, kudos to her for going through all that and, and delivering a, a good performance. But all three of those guys are good. They they just, yeah, they managed to act scary without turning it into sort of pantomime scary. So Yeah, that was Maggie, played by Sharon Duncan Brewster. Maggie, yes. Maggie, yeah. yeah. I'm sure she was in EastEnders for, a long, for quite a long time. Anyway, those guys mm. were kind of cool. Uh, then mm. we had the two, uh, sorry, then we had the two, yeah, the, the two younger guys. That, so we had the, I'm pretty sure he was the doctor or somebody. He was a Russian guy or a Ukrainian guy, I think. He's the one that is talking to Maggie when she first comes into the medical bay and he shows her Earth on the monitor and stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, he was okay. And then there was another guy. He was a bit... I liked how this young guy played his character as well. He had a bit of attitude about him. So when the doctor was controlling gadget, controlling gadget, yeah, when he's yeah, 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 he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and I like that mm. because it wasn't just your standard, you know, here's a person, here's a person, here's a person, and you know, I do this and I do this. He had a little bit of something about him, uh, which was very cool and yeah, very very protective over gadget as well. Yeah, uh, so those two guys were good as well. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was going to die because like, oh, they've introduced the cocky one. He's he's definitely going to he's definitely going to get killed straight away. So yeah, <laughs> but no, I liked him as well. He's he's just, like you said. I like the fact he's obviously he loves this robot, and uh, he'd be like me, you know, if, he, if anything to do with robots, he's, you know, he's cool. But yeah, no, I thought both of those were good. It's the other guy, the guy that used to be in neighbors for like forever <laughs> i don't know or was it home and away i recognize there's an australian guy uh because mm. i don't really watch soaps but i did, i recognized him from like i think it was home and away or neighbors i think uh, it was home he, he and was away, quite cool mate. as well i think so home yeah. and away. well it's another australian uh peter o'brien yeah yeah, yeah yeah he, he had a yeah. rough ride didn't he he from did old, yeah uh, he Adelaide. did is Christ. there something yeah he did but there was a bit of mutual respect between between those two so you know I kind of liked it. There's like a bit of friction, maybe a bit of chemistry between those two. But yeah, she does give him a, a rough ride, but he seems to he seems to like it. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, I think he's a bit frustrated because, you know, he's trying to, um, he's trying desperately to sort of take charge in these little moments and show that he's got some leadership and stuff. And every time he does that, it seems she just bashes him down. She's like, I told you not to leave your post and, bugger off back there and do your job and all the rest of it. And <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's almost like they're a divorced couple. Yeah, it's exactly. Al- yeah. yeah. They've definitely had something in the past because when heartbreakingly, just when he's about to die, but just before he blows up the ship so the flood can't mm. leave Mars, he um, he does say something like, I-, I know you could never forgive me. So something went down, obviously, in there. They're obviously involved somehow, but yeah, he gets a yeah, rough ride. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, and then we had two other... Um, two other women, didn't we, in the cast? So we had 
um, Gemma Chan, who played Mia. Uh, and we also had um, uh, Kasima, um, who played Steffi. I think she was another scientific or doctor. I can't remember exactly. but um, her, her death's quite... Well, not death, but when she gets taken over that's quite oh, emotional as well because she she's watching you know her, well, her presumably her daughter and her kid on the screen and stuff i mean that was quite pulling at the heartstrings as well so because that's what i mean every character gets their own little moment really in this apart from possibly Gemma chan as mia i think she's yeah. the only one that really gets kind of left out like it's a shame actually because she's gone on to do you know really good stuff um was it what's that program she was in was it called humans, humans. or something it was yeah. really good in that yeah. and obviously now she's is she in the Marvel Universe? Sorry, I don't know. She's popped up in a few films and she's gone on to have a really good career. So it's it's sort of sad, really, to see her. She's the one I think comes off the worst. Like, if she wasn't there, you probably wouldn't notice that she doesn't get a particular backstory or much to do, really, um, which is a shame. Uh, I think she only, yeah, she kind of comes into her own just a little bit at the very end when... Yeah, you I know, think could have done more with her, but... Yeah, so at the very end, she, um, you know, she... she <sighs> I think on one half, one half of her is really grateful, obviously, that the Doctor's rescued them from being killed on Mars. But on the other hand, she's just freaked out by what's just happened. She has, as everyone does, you know, the whole big on the inside thing. So she's like, what the hell sort of thing. And uh, yeah, I think her mind's just messed up at that point. She doesn't really know what's just happened, but somehow she's back on Earth, doesn't really know what's going on. So she runs off. She's a bit, a bit emotional. And then Yuri runs after her. I think Adelaide's like, go and take care of her sort of thing. And uh, so, yeah. So what did you think to um, um, Adelaide Brooke then, played by Lindsay Duncan? Because, you know, she was... uh, There's always this kind of on-the-fence thing with Who fans. Was she a companion? Technically, no. No. I I don't think that she is. But um, um, for an older actress, you know, she, she played this very, very well. I think she did that very stern, cold, um, you know, doing her duty that needs to be done very well. And mm-hmm. the only emotional bits we see from her is when she starts to join the dot. So when the doctor's on the com and he's saying, I can't save you for this reason, blah, 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 because you die and all the rest of it. You can see that she's joining the dots and she's like, oh, frick, I am actually going to die here. And then at the end, it's again, she's very very emotional but very stern so i loved her performance dude i thought she was great yeah ditto i i did as well i thought a very strong performance from her because it's difficult sometimes when you're playing that sort of strong almost bolshy character it's sometimes hard to tread that line between making them likable as well and she is likable you know but she's also not afraid to take charge and command and tell you what to do so um yeah i thought the performance was excellent i really did and i think she plays off against david tennant in some really you know emotional scenes i think the two of them bounce off each other brilliantly Uh, there's a good sort of power struggle between the two uh when she's trying to sort of get out of him you know (laughs) what he knows and yeah very very lo- nice performance from Lindsay duncan in this um yeah yes. she's brilliant really really good casting yeah yeah and it has a couple of those throughout the episode those penny drop moments mm. you know first of all the doctor has it when he's meeting all the crew and then suddenly realizes that this is the day that they die and then uh, we just mentioned um mia emma chan when she comes out of the tardis later she's like heads messed up a bit but she's figuring it out and it's scaring her as she's figuring it out and the penny drops and then um, 
the penny drops for for Ed as well when he's in the spaceship. He's like, this can't go anywhere now because now I'm infected and I'm a hot, I'm fighting it. But you know, I have to destroy the ship. So that's that done. And then at the end, she has that double penny uh, penny drop because she had it earlier when the doctor's kind of cryptically saying there's a reason why I can't save you and then at the end she realizes that I now have to die because you've already told me that all of this stuff happens as a result of our death so if I don't die this would affect my family this will affect you know x y and z and she takes her own life sadly so she has that double so there's a few of those it was written so well dude with that kind of thing and you know, Russell and, and Phil Ford, you can tell that they slaved over the details mm. with this. Because again, it could have been a real simple, yep, Doctor saved the day, she's back on Earth, hugs the family, everyone's happy, on you go. And it wasn't. It was a real sort of punch in the heart and punch in the gut at the end there. So, yeah, I love those scenes with her and the Doctor because she she's thankful that that she's that he's there. You know, he's um he's she loves the fact that there's somebody who... She doesn't know why, but he knows exactly what's going on. So mm. she's like, you know, a doctor on me, you know, as they go off and, and do that sort of thing. And they're quite funny together. You know, the doctor's, you know, constantly nagging her about, you know, we need bikes for these corridors. And, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And a fold away bike. They're really light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. So I thought her relationship and her performance with David Tennant was very good. They, um, they are great together. It does go on. That's that's the scene I was going to mention earlier, actually, was the, it is that the bit, you know, it really sort of got me in terms of the performances between her and David Tennant was that bit when she won't let him out of the airlock. And she's like, you're going nowhere until you tell me. And he's forced to sort of, like you say, cryptically tell her why he can't save them. I mean, that, the, the two of them, considering da- David's acting under a blimmin' orange spacesuit and yellow helmet he's still delivering the most phenomenal acting performance you know and he's like um it was in the trailer wasn't it what does he say he's like you die here or something it's just the way he delivers that emotion through you know that spacesuit um it is phenomenal and she's great as well the way she's just listening and taking it in trying to decide whether to let him go or not you know it's a good it's a, just a great tense moment and a really like you say um emotional scene yeah but performance-wise, yeah. outstanding. Yeah, and then then the end bit as well when he takes them back and she realizes she's got. Well, she basically commits suicide, doesn't she? It's a real, like you said, gut punch. Um, and I like the way David's flipped as well. And this takes me back to when I first watched this, when David takes her back after he saved them, and he's quite cocky, isn't he? He's like, "Isn't anyone going to mm. thank me?" And he, and he's like, "I'll do what I want." And it's, I remember watching this, you know, for the first time back in 2009 and being like, oh my God, like what's happened to the doctor? He's changed. You know, is, is he, is he going to turn into the Valiard for the last two episodes next to, you know, there was all this stuff going through my mind and it, it's really cool actually, because I think Russell says this on Confidential as well, but I did think it whilst watching this yesterday. You can see how this happened to the master. I think the power has gone to the master's head and the doctor's almost on the edge of, of becoming like the master, isn't he? He's almost on the edge of mm. flipping and thinking he can do whatever he wants. And you so you can see how the master ended up like he did, you know, probably started off like the doctor and just the power of having, you know, being able to do what he wants has gone to his head and 
you know, well, forget the consequences. I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm the doctor. I'm the master. I do what I want. So it's a real, really cool to see the doctor on the edge of that. And um, mm. I think again, that just brings the end scene to a bit of an OMG moment. And then, of course, we see Ude Sigma, and it's <laughs> you think, oh my god, what's going on? It's 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 such a, a great ending to the episode. Really, really flips it on its head. I think it's great, isn't it, dude? Yeah, and yeah. Adelaide clocks onto that very quickly. She. Mm. Because you know, like you said, he's very his attitude changes very quickly. He's he says, doesn't he? He's that, snapped. Yeah, he's realised that actually, I've been. I think in a roundabout sort of way, he's saying that I've just been an observer across time, but now I'm going to control. I'm I'm the one that's going to be in charge. This is my this is my show now, sort of thing. And if mm. I want to rescue people and do all that stuff, then I then I will. Um, Who's going to stop me, sort of thing? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's you know he's going to stand in my way. I'm the doctor. You know, I'm the only time lord. He thinks at this point. I think in in this doctor's timeline. So yeah, yeah it's um and she clocks on really quickly. She's like, I think she even shouts to him. She's like, Time Lord Victorious is wrong. You know, and she's like, What you're mm. doing is just is is just not right. So and uh, and then we have that switch again. It's like that's what I'm, as I mentioned, we had those back and forth those those moments where, yeah. yeah so the doctor then realizes after she's committed suicide he, he's just overcome with emotion and horror he's like you know what have i just done i didn't want it to end like this i thought i was doing the right thing by choosing to save these people but now look what i've created you know this is this is not the, great the little so. people he says as well i just remember doesn't he? that's the bit that she doesn't like she's like oh i've saved a couple of little people but he's trying to compliment her but he she realizes in just that sort of line doesn't it that he's he's lost the plot he's what do you mean little people mm. you know um so yeah it is it's it's great to see david just giving you know something completely different a different take on his doctor and he acts it fantastically one thing i don't quite get and i mean it, it doesn't really matter in terms of the grand, grand scheme of things but so she obviously when she shoots herself at the end it resets everything back to how it should be so her daughter still goes on to you know, do what she does and everything's fine. But, but sort of in my head, I'm thinking, but how did they ever explain her being like that? Surely she's back on earth. So how did that ever get explained? Like the people who set out to the mission would have been like, well, hang on. How did she get back from Mars? You know, and, and what Amir and um, what's the name? What are you doing here? I, I thought you were on Mars. You know, how did they get around that? I mean, not, not to sort of dwell on little things too much, but I think surely that would still be enough to sort of change the course of history. The fact that they're back on Earth and have uh, are not have not sort of died on Mars. I don't know, but I think they're getting away mm. with it by saying they're the little people. They're inconsequential, so that doesn't matter. But I think still Adelaide being found dead on Earth rather than Mars is is an unexplained mystery. Surely that would still have sort of um, a ripple effect. But you know, I don't not to read too much into it, but it slightly bugs me when I watch it. Do you know what I mean? I think like, yes. <laughs> surely the authorities were like hang on a minute i thought she was on mars <laughs> she's here or well, she's not been doing work at all she's been here all the time i don't know yeah i think i get what you mean so it's kind of like that weird um uh unexplained part of the story where it's like yeah it's great that they've brought them home and everything but then how do you explain how they got there that's what you're trying you're like so how do yeah, they just yeah, magically get explained yeah appear from from mars to here yeah mm -hmm. I, I read you so I don't think it needs to be explained too much, dude. It's like let let your imagination deal with all the details. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Otherwise, we're walking into Chibnall's territory where everything has to be, explained, has to be explained to us. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, okay, so David Tennant then in this one, mate. Uh, that, that this is watching him in this is one of the reasons why he's my fave doctor and why I connected with him so much when I binged his 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 stuff when I first got into into Doctor Who. He's so so good, like intense but emotional, angry but then sad. It's just it's hitting every single checkbox for me, dude. In this one. Yeah, got to agree. I mean, like, some people have said, you know, David sometimes is on autopilot and he just rabbles out the dialogue. This is just, there's no way I think anybody could say that about his performance in this. He's, like, hitting every beat. He does the humour. Like you said, he, he, he the seriousness, the emotional scenes he has to deal with, flip into the dark side at the end. He he nails every bit and, and really... Um, delivers a, a great performance in it he's, he's superb absolutely superb. and he just yeah i mean just the scenes i've mentioned as well like when he's doing the um when he's he realizes they've all got to die and he just stands there looking like you can see it it's it's, it's all on his face he's not even saying anything he's just stood there in the background watching them all running around trying to survive and he the desperation in his face that he wants to save them but he mustn't you know, it's you know that's it's just a great performance from him in this, and um, I love it when he flips. I I could watch that scene over and over again when he's walking away, and then he, he blows up and he lies on the floor and he's crawling and he's like, I've had enough, and he stands up and he just absolutely loses it. I just I could watch that over and over again. And the bit I love is when he says. I've been told my song's ending soon and he's going to knock four times. Well, I don't hear anybody knocking to you. And then he goes, <laughs> they get three knocks and he's like, that's only three and that's all you're going to get. And I'm like, oh my God, what a moment. It's like, yeah. you're only getting three knocks. Oh, just honestly. Brilliant The stuff. man, I yeah. mean, I know, yeah, David, I've, I've always liked David's Dot T. I wouldn't say he's my favourite because I love Matt Smith, but when I watch episodes like this, I totally get why so many people rate him so highly because he's just fantastic and absolutely phenomenal actually in this yeah dude he's just yeah yeah um, just amazing to watch because you know that we're coming to the end of his time um yeah you know you, you know that this is like the second to last one he's he's on his way out but at the same time it still feels like you know we could watch another 10 20 episodes of this doctor you know, it really feels like, I don't know. Yeah, it was, uh, overall, it's a, it's a great episode, this one. But it's also a great David Tennant story. So It is a good one for Tennant, yeah. yeah. Arguably, you could recommend this one as to a newbie because it, it, other than a couple of little lines at the very end, you know, when he sees Ood and he's like, you know, is this my time? You know, sort of, mm. you know other, other than that last bit, it's just a really good, a really good story. It's not bogged down with, with too much lore or anything that's come before or anything like that. It's a, yeah, it's a great tenant story. It is good. And I think it would be good for like a good recommendation. I think there is a little bit sort of, for me, there are a couple of little bits where there's running back and forth, which where I sort of think there's a little, I wouldn't even call it padding really. I just a little bit where I sort of get a little bit, because I think there are so many big moments in this story i'm always so keen to get to those moments so there's a bit where they're running back and forth i'm like yeah okay i wouldn't say boring but there are moments when a casual viewer could sort of get a bit fed up i think but on the whole um it's a pretty watertight solid story that i think anybody like you said even a casual viewer could really get into and enjoy there's there's a yeah 
I think there's pretty much something for everybody in this one in terms of action, scares, humour, fun, yeah, and then the ending, of course. And I, and I love the fact we see Ute Sigma at the end because it kind of reminds me of The Watcher from Legopolis, the way he's just hovering, <laughs> waiting, you know, like sort of uh, foreshadowing, mm. you know. I love all that because I, I do like a, a build-up to regeneration, I think, in, at the time, obviously, knowing David was going and he's only got... Two specials left, is it? Well, there's sort of two-parter, isn't it? End of so, time, isn't it? One and two, yeah. Yeah, end of time. So you sort of know that this is almost it for him. Um, for me, it just all plays into it. It makes it all, all the more better. Yeah, Agreed, dude. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, um, I think we mentioned Murray Gold, right? So the music is just... It's br- just great. Brilliant, man. Yeah. Just, yeah, firing all, on all cylinders, just like... Um, you know, at this point in the production where Russell's just coming to the end of his his time now and he's just got everything down to like a well-oiled machine. It's all good. All the actors are on point. Really, the last piece in the puzzle you want is that, is the music to either provide a bit of atmosphere just in the background or you want it to be a character in itself in the story. And it's more the latter on this one. It really does add to the scenes perfectly. And not just the veil track and everything that we hear as he's walking away in the suit and at the very end, that's obviously an emotional wallop. But also the the more horror aspect of it when you see the flood take over people and stuff, it's got that real chilling horror feel to it. So, yeah, thumbs up on Murray Gold on this one. Yeah, it's fantastic. It is, it is great music. I mean, Murray is just working his socks off in this story, but... Um it's a beautiful piece of music, like you said. It works. If you like, you said you played it straight after the episode. So did I. Yeah, <laughs> like, I yeah. immediately wanted to listen to the soundtrack because it is such a, a gorgeous piece of of uh, of music. Um, yeah, Murray's absolutely on on point at this at this stage, and and so is RTD, mate. It, I recommend watching the confidential for this. It's it's fascinating seeing the behind the scenes. It's so so great to see david like i mean he's right at the end of his tenure but he's still so you can see the fan in him when he's chatting he's just still so enthusiastic you you don't feel like he's got to the end of his tenure and he's like oh let's get this blooming story film so i can (laughs) move on to Broadchurch." you know he just you can tell how much he's loving it um but what i like is there's a little bit where russell's sat around the round table in the reading room and he's talking to graham harper actually and he's, and he's, he sounds like he's, he's quite forceful, Russell, you know. I've never sort of seen, seen him like that. It's, it almost sounds like he's telling Graham off, but I think he's just making sure that they get it right. And this is, this is what I like about Russell, why I have faith in him, is that his attention to detail. So in the writer's room, he's basically telling Graham Harper, like, you can't film it like that, Graham, because the viewers will notice. They'll, they'll say, like, they're too close and they could have easily splashed water on him if you film it that close. You've got to sort of keep back and do it. And he's telling him, he's sort of basically telling him how to direct the scene because he's saying, you know, if I'm a viewer at home, I'll be thinking water could have splashed there. That could, They could have got splashed. You know, and he's it's just the minutest detail that's going through Russell's head that, you know, I'm not putting up with that. I'm not, I'm not settling for that, that, oh, it's fine. We'll just say they didn't get splashed. No, there can be no doubt, you know, the, the, those people cannot be caught by the water, mm. you know. So it's, I just, Russell's attention to detail is fantastic. So well, I think you said it towards the start of the review. Everybody seems to be on point coming together at, at the right moment in this story. And uh, even though it is towards the end of, rtd and 
and uh, Tenants Era, people are still full of enthusiasm and want to get it absolutely right. And it, it, it shows with what we end up on screen. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Anything else on your notes, bud? <laughs> no, yeah. I've just got Bowie Base One written for some bizarre. Because <laughs> I think I just like, I love the fact they've referenced Bowie and it's such a cool name for a Under Siege base, isn't it? Bowie Base One. Mm. It's, it's just such a cool name. So I just decided to write that on my pad to remind me. But yeah, I don't think I've got anything else. No. Nice. Okay. Uh, in terms of scores, is it you to go first? I think it might be you. I think it's yeah. me and this is quite easy for me. I'm giving it a nine out of 10. Um, I'm only really knocking off a score because there is a couple of little sort of moments where I think there's, there's, I wouldn't even call it padding, but there's a bit of running back and forth and stuff where I think the story lets up in, in, you know, for a scene where it's just running down a corridor and I think, okay, but it's pretty much a, a, a as good as it gets. I think I'm, I'm almost tempted to give it a 10 because I think it's phenomenal, but I don't know. It's yeah, it's a nine out of 10, maybe a 9.5. I don't know. It's, it's up there. It's a, an absolute classic. Agreed, buddy. I'm waiting to see if you Agreed. give it a 0.5, but I'm, I've got 9 out of 10 at the minute. What are you giving it? Uh, I'm going to give this a 5.5. What? No, you're not. Rubbish. No, I'm with you, buddy. This is a 9 for me too, mate. Is um, it a 9 or is it a 9.5? No, it's, it's a, a 9, nine isn't it? Yeah, it's I'm, a 9, all right. Yeah, yeah. I've only really taken a point off because um, there was a... Yeah, I think I'm with you in a similar thing where it's not really padding as such. Uh, it just does go a bit back and forth for a little while. and But other than that, dude, this is peak Tennant. This is peak Russell. Um, the, yeah, it's such a great story to watch. It really is, because like we mentioned right at the beginning, it has all the nice ingredients that make a very cool Doctor Who. And it almost feels a bit classic Who as well, in a way. Not visually and stuff, but conceptually, it's a bit classic as well. So yeah, it's got it all going on. It's all good. So a nine from us then. All good. What did our... What did our beautiful listeners think to this one? And over on Twitter, uh, we had Sam Dooley says, one of the greatest pieces of television I think I've ever seen. Mm. Perfect pacing, gorgeous visuals, stunning performances, and an A-plus cliffhanger. This is RTD's strongest script for Who, an absolute triumph, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Doctor Who home, uh, Doctor Who its finest. Uh, The Flood are fantastic and love how there's consequences for the Doctor breaking the rules. I just wish we saw more of it in the next episode, a 9 out of 10. Nine, okay. Uh, writer Jordan, one of my fave tenant stories. Uh, it's fun, fast-paced, and creepy. I remember a Radio Times cover claiming this to be the scariest who ever. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but it's a cracking story. Uh, Rob mm-hmm. Kelly says, Cracker story with a somewhat controversial and problematic conclusion. Love the incorporation of the Ice Warriors or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Rob. Our writer Maria says, genuinely terrifying, great characterization as 10 becomes helpless and then righteous anger sends him out of control. Uh, would like to have seen that explored a bit longer against his general heroic nature. Lindsay Duncan is totally in control and utterly brilliant. A corker. Uh, James K348 says, one of the best base under sieges we've ever had. Brilliant monsters, likable characters, and perfect performances all round. This is what I hope we get again from Russell in his new era, a 9 out of 10. Yeah. Aren't we all, James? Yes. Chippy T, prophetic foreshadowing with the knocks, guilt-ridden with the suicide, tent with the atmospheric eeriness of the water creatures. Out of Tenant's finest hours, that's uh, why one of Tenant's finest hours with a superb supporting cast. Oh, and the music was pitch perfect. This is why the Doctor can't cross his time stream, a 10 out of 10. Mm. Um 
Zach Attry says a flawless base under siege with some genuinely terrifying monsters. The little explored dark side of the Doctor is at front and centre with the Time Lord Victorious. Uh, Tennant gives one of his finest performances alongside the fabulous Lindsay Duncan, a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Will Sanger, easily one of the best tenant stories. The Flood are a horrific and frightening um, villain, providing an intense scare factor. Uh, an intense scare factor, uh, and it provides one of Tennant's finest performances. It's the culmination of his character arc and pushes the Doctor to untapped territory. A 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Tom Turlow, easily the best of the specials that Tennant appeared in before his departure. It's a stylish and sophisticated story and the villains are genuinely scary, but the ending is very problematic. Using suicide as a plot point doesn't work, but apart from that, it's a good watch. Eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Interesting, okay. Tom. Thank you. Uh, Paul Loveday says, one of my faves in the waters of Mars, so that's my Friday night becoming uh, bedtime listening sorted out. I always go uh, to bed on a Friday night with you guys, and then Sunday night I take the guys from Radio Free Scaro with me to bed. Sorry to be unfaithful <laughs> to you both. Hey, Paul. <laughs> Do not worry about that, Paul. That's good. Thank you very much. Uh, Nick H says, I could put, I could not put it any better than uh, TARDISnet66. Uh, so that's Will Sanger uh, with a 10 out of 10. And lastly, Jacob says, one of the most perfect stories ever. Completed the 10th Doctor's story up perfectly and was incredible television. Another 10 out of 10. Wow. Ten, a lot of 10 out of 10s. Yeah. Over on Facebook then, we had a few, and I won't go into too much detail as they're quite long, but first up, Jeff Waddle says, not a big fan of this as most. All this nonsense of a Dalek not killing someone as they recognise their importance in the future, in brackets, what? And this utter nonsense of the Doctor saying he knows mm. what the four knocks are and isn't, uh, it isn't now. McCoy can't do angry and neither can Tennant. Bit mere for me, really, five out of ten. So we didn't mention that, dude, did we? The Dalek in Adelaide's younger self when he's at the window but doesn't kill her just flies off and that's what then prompts her to be like I want to explore I want to go out to the stars and and all mm. that lot. but I sort of get yeah. what Jeff's saying that I, I, yeah I completely forgot about the Dalek scene is that because a lot of people say the Dalek's only in it because it's contracted to feature a Dalek in every <laughs> special I don't know if that mm. don't know if that sort of 30 second clip counts but I get what Jeff's saying, but in a way, I can't quite like it because I think it's quite an odd moment. It's, it's just this eeriness of this Dalek hovering over someone and letting them live. I don't know. I quite like it, but I, I do get why it doesn't really make sense. Like, a Dalek doesn't really think or do that. So I get what you're saying. Mm, I do get but what you're saying, but... I, I, yeah, I think it's an interesting moment. I, I don't agree, though, Jeff, with... Tenant not being able to do angry. We've seen a few no, episodes. No, I don't agree with that, Jeff. Sorry, no. Where he's blown up and and does that pretty well. But uh, but thank you very much, though, Jeff. Moving on. This is Toby Coleman. This is a phenomenal story, but it's just not for me. I find it too dark for my tastes. I am heavily biased as the trailers terrified me as a child and my first viewing experience wasn't great. The monsters and concept are really scary and the cast are brilliant, but it's just not for me. A seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. No okay. worries, Toby. Uh, our writer Harry says, "Incredible, absolute belter." Still get unnerved by the Doctor's freak change of character and Adelaide suicide. Ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Arnold, um, space the waterproof frontier. <laughs> uh, goes on to say, probably one of my fave specials. A seven point five drippy taps out of ten. <laughs> drippy tap. Sean Mundy. It wasn't. If it wasn't for Tenant, I would say this is a mediocre story but his acting really makes the story. The monsters look good, but don't really do much. An eight out of 10, mostly for Tenant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leem Start says, great episode. Just only rewatched it last night. A nine out of 10. 
Lewis Blackmore, masterpiece from start to finish. The very best of the Tenant and RTD era, 10 out of 10. Russ Hilton, I love this one in many respects. This is the 10th Doctor's Anakin Skywalker episode, <laughs> where we see the Doctor become the Time Lord victorious as he finally crosses the line that he's been walking for a long time. All that leads... Mm. Uh, all the leads are in excellent form. The script is a brilliant story, and the story is truly dark. Arguably, Doctor Who, it's best. 10 out of 10. Out of 10, yeah. And Charlie Turner says, um, can I just say how much I freaking love this episode? <laughs> in uh, in capitals. Uh, and it's quite a long review. That one goes on to give it a 10 out of 10 for all round. Another so 10, what? Average score's got to be a 9.5 for this one, dude. Yes. Got to be. Yeah, very, I, was, I was expecting high scores. I don't know about you. I was expecting it, but uh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Wowzers then. So I've loved talking through that one with you, dude. It's a one yes. that we've uh, we've wanted to do for ages. So yes, thank you very much, dear listener, for sending in your thoughts and your scores. That's very cool. As always, next week, dude, what are we reviewing then? So we'll be back to Miracle Day, Torchwood next week. Uh, this episode, so this is episode four, right? And it's called Escape to LA. Mm. Where are they? What, what do you mean escape to LA? I thought they were in LA. I don't know. Anyway, escape to LA. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Not I, on a plane, I hope. It's not going to be stuck on a plane again, are we? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that note, let's wrap up there, dude, for 356. All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to the Big Blue Box podcast for another week. That was episode 356. As Adam said, next week we are on to um, our review of Torchwood and Miracle Day. So get your your DVDs or Blu-rays or your Britbox, Britbox, your iPlayer fired up and get that watched. Because we'll be asking for your thoughts and scores as always. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe or follow our podcast on your preferred podcast app of choice. That way you won't miss a show when it lands every Friday. And we're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So come and get involved. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week and you can find links to those things on the website. Um, just do a search of them in those, obviously. But head over to the website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. There are links to go off to those things. And we have a free Discord server as well. So jump in there and chat Doctor Who with plenty of other cool Who fans. And also, don't forget to remember to check out <laughs> Adam's YouTube channel. As another reminder, it is The Geek's Handbag. Geek Sandbag, yeah, plenty of Doctor Who vids on there and other stuff and lots of stuff, so go and have a look. <laughs> go and have a look, yes. Also Alrighty. on the socials. Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, no, on, on the socials, under the same name, The Geek Sandbag. The Geek Sandbag. Go and do it. Alrighty, until next week for episode 357 then. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, it's...